Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Gathering Church, a place of grace. Sit back, relax, and listen in. Well, we had a great time. How I many enjoyed yourself last Sunday, Easter Sunday? Amen. We had a good time talking about our living hope. Amen. And I hope that you bring a friend with you next week. Next week is going to be a awesome Sunday. I guess I'll just let the cat out the bag right now. Pastor Vernon is speaking next week, so you need to be here. Amen. You, you, you need to be here. It's going to be awesome. And as she had said, stated, that we'll be doing family portraits right here after service. Amen. So you may not know I got a little secret talent. I'm a photographer on the DL. So we're going to take some great photos of you next week. And um, we're looking forward um, to see each and every one of you come out. We had a great time last year doing it. And we know we're going to have a good time this year doing it once again. Today I just want to speak with you about something that was really laid on my heart this week as I was just praying. And I believe it's something that we all deal with as Christians, as, as believers, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, at one time or another in your life, you have dealt with this issue. Some of you are probably dealing with it today. I don't know about you, but I've been dealing with it. Something that you would deal with to the day Jesus comes. Amen. And so we're going to talk about it today. So I'm going to have this video to be displayed, and we'll go into the Word. Let's just look at it for a quick second. Praise the Lord. Your report needs to be on my desk first thing Monday morning. Your report needs to be on my desk first thing Monday morning. Hey, sorry, but I'm raising the rent this month. Mom, I'm moving in with Greg this week. Mrs. Johnson, your father's not doing well. Hey, sorry, but I'm raising the rent this month. That report needs to be on my desk first thing Monday morning. Mom, I'm moving in with Greg this week. Sorry, Father. Mrs. Johnson, your father's not doing well. Mom, I'm moving in with Greg this week. Sorry, Father. That report needs to be on my desk first thing. Mom, I'm moving in with Greg this week. Mrs. Johnson, your father's Let us pray. 
Father in heaven, we come before you, Lord, today. We thank you for this day that you have made. We ask that you would, even now, oh God, speak, oh God. We ask that you give us a rhema word, a right now word, a word that speaks to our situation, Lord. We invite you here. We ask that you would, oh God, show yourself strong and mighty, not by power, not by might, Lord, but by your spirit, Holy Spirit. Have your way today, Lord. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, even now, my Redeemer and strength. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I want to talk briefly with you today about distractions. How many of you deal with distractions? Amen. Some of you deal with distractions right now. What am I going to do after church? What am I going to eat? I didn't have no breakfast this morning. I got my paper to do. I got to call my boo after service. He didn't show up this morning. And you just have so many different things that are going on through your mind. As Christians, we always find ourselves dealing with distractions. So I want to talk with you briefly about staying the course. Distractions, staying the course. God wants us to stay the course. Amen? Tell your neighbor right now. Say, neighbor, stay on track. All right, we got to stay on track this morning. We all have a, a plan and, and a purpose to accomplish in Christ Jesus. And it's important that we as believers stay on track. We live in a distracted generation. It says that the average American watches at least 46 minutes of TV daily. If you were to add that time up for a whole year, that is 11 days of nonstop TV the average American watches every year. And if you be honest, most of us watch more than 46 minutes a day of television. So if you watch an hour and a half, that's 22 days a year of nonstop television. When triple that, that's 33 days. That's a month. Some of us are spending because we're so distracted. If you were to add that up by the time you turn 65, that's two years of nonstop TV. We live in a distracted generation. So many different things that, that are going on around us. So many different things that can deter us from the track and the journey that God has ordered us to walk in. There are so many different things that are around us that will cause us to, to be overcome and, and confused and overwhelmed, addictions, people, things, gaining things, things that will cause us to be distracted. The word distract means to draw away or to divert one's attention. To draw away or to divert one's attention. It means to disturb or trouble, to trouble greatly in mind. It means to be set. To get you off course. It means to provide a pleasant diversion or amuse or to entertain. When someone entertains you, just like the television, it amuses you. It distracts you. Last but not least, it means to separate or divide by dissension or strife. To distract. Distractions will always keep us from progressing on our journey. When Jesus Christ was in the wilderness, and you read about this in Luke chapter 4, and this is right after Jesus was baptized, 
amen, and in the Jordan River. And he came out, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. And as a matter of fact, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit ascended on him like a dove. He said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And the Bible says then the Spirit of God led him in the wilderness. And the Bible says he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And the Bible says after he had done fasting, someone said after, not during. After he had done fasting, the Bible says Satan appeared to him three times, was challenging him to bow down to, to worship him. He was distracted. But the Bible says he overcame by what? By the word of God. He was able to have victory. The enemy will come so many times to distract you from your purpose. There are always distractions that will prevent you from progressing on your journey. If you do not know what your journey is today, you need to ask the Lord, what is my journey? What is the path that you have for me? In order to overcome distractions, the first thing you must do is fully understand your divine purpose. Somebody said, fully understand your divine purpose. Yeah. In order for you to overcome distractions, we must fully understand our divine purpose. God has given each and every one of you a purpose and a plan. Now, it's our responsibility to find out what that plan is. My wife and I went to Walmart last night. We bought this little bullet blender because we love to make smoothies, especially during the springtime and summertime. So we had an old blender. We threw it away, so we bought this new blender. And so it has all these funny shaped glasses and everything, you know. It's not one big blender, but it's like four different cups you can actually put on the blender and, and, and blend everything. And so I don't know how in the world to use this thing. There's no buttons to press. I don't know if you turn it, if you push it or whatever. But the thing is, I'm here trying to flip, figure out how to use this thing. And the instruction manual is in the box. But me being a man, I don't believe in instruction booklets. My wife can tell you, when we buy furniture... I figure it out. That screw must go here. That nail must go there. I've done this time before, so I know how it's been. So I was trying to figure out how to put this blend in the instruction booklet. It was right there, but yet I chose not to look at it. Finally, I got frustrated. I said, you know what? Let me just open up the booklet. I said, oh, this is how you do it. You actually have to push it down and turn it, and that's the way you use this thing. But some of us were like that with our lives. Which I went, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. I don't know what to do. I'm just so confused because you don't understand your purpose. You need to go to God. He has the instructions for you. He, he knows why he has created you and what he has created you for. You have a purpose. One of the things we learned about yesterday, for those brothers who missed our connection group, we talked about having an examined life. The examined life talks about where did I come from? Hey, where am I? Why am I here? Have you ever asked that question? Why am I here? Why am I alive? Is it just what? Just to wake up every morning, just to shower and brush my teeth? I hope you do those things. You know, and, and get dressed and, and, and go out and, and go to school and get a degree and get a job and have children, get married, all that good stuff. Wrong way around. Have, get married, have children. Amen. Praise the Lord. Don't do it the other way around. It's not good. Anyway, so you do all these different things and Work hard and then die? Is that all that there is to life? Is that all that there is to me existing here just to do that? 
just to come to church every Sunday and say hallelujah, thank Jesus, and go home up my day. What, what, is there more to me? Is there more? And come, come on, everybody, under the sound of my voice, you have been called to touch somebody. You've been called to, the Bible says he has given us the ministry of reckoning. What's my ministry, pastor? Maybe I'm a prophet. Maybe I'm not calling the prophets out. Maybe I'm a bad. Everybody has been given the ministry of reconciliation, the Bible says. 2 Corinthians 5. In other words, each and every one of you are called to touch somebody. To bring somebody to Jesus Christ. That's your purpose. And if you're not doing that, or if you're out of touch with doing that, that you're not operating in your full potential. Jenny Jackson sung the song, What Have You Done For Me Lately? Some of us, God is asking that question, What have you done for me lately? Who have you touched for me lately? Who you have encouraged for me lately? Because sometimes we would get so caught up doing what God has called us to do, that we get distracted, quote unquote, by doing what God has called us to do. Sometimes in the doing we get distracted and we forget the purpose. I'm guilty as a pastor. I tell my wife, I said, you know what? Pastors are not exempt from touching people. I'm not exempt because I'm the pastor from handing out an invite card for someone to come to the gathering church. I'm not exempt. And I think sometimes as pastors, as I meet other pastors, they think that they're exempt from certain ministries because they feel, well, I'm the pastor. I paid my dues. I'm the holy, righteous man of God. And I don't need to do those things anymore. I have arrived. Let the people do it. They'll just follow my lead as I follow Christ. And that's the mindset some pastors have. But we're not exempt from touching people. We say, oh, well, because I, I preached on Sunday, that means I touched somebody. But what about your personal ministry? See, there's always a, there's a public ministry, but there's a personal or private ministry. And God began to deal with my heart about that. And I told my wife, I said, honey, I said, you know what? I said, we have neighbors and stuff. And last Sunday, we gave out the, um, these beautiful bags to the children. And we had extra left over. So my wife said, I'm going to take a couple. I said, what you going to do with those bags? Oh, you want that candy by yourself? She said, no, I, I, I got a plan. I got a plan. I said, okay. And so when we got home that day, there were about three families that live in our complex that have children. So what she did was after service, I'm in the house, and I said, okay, I'll meet you. Go, go ahead, do what you got to do. All right. I wasn't convicted yet. I'm like, go ahead, do what you got to do. Do what you got to do. All right. I'll, I'll be praying. God bless you. Strengthen you. Touch my wife, she's the evangelist. She'll go out and share about faith. I'll be quiet. Like, mm-hmm. I'll, be your, I'll be the prayer prayer. I'll be praying for you. You know, one speak, one pray. I'm just praying. And I'm the pastor, right? Shame on me. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you how it is sometimes. And so she went and put bags on people's doorsteps. And next thing you know, they're knocking on the door. Thank you so much. Calling us and shouting, screaming, screaming at us through the alleyway while we went to get our car. And their lives were touched just because of a little bag of candy. Sometimes it's the simplest things. But that was her personal ministry. Had nothing to do with the gathering church. It's just her personal touch. We all have a purpose. We all have a ministry of reconciliation. So, you know, when she came home, we talked and said, honey, I don't know about you, but I want more. I said, I'm not satisfied. Have you been in that place? 
We're like, God, there got to be something more to this. I mean, come on. I mean, this is nice, but this, is, this, this can't be it. If this is it, well, you might as well just take me home now. I might as well just, let's just plan a funeral. It's time for me to go. If, if this is it, if I'm just got to stay in this little place for the next 30, 40 years, nah, there, there got to be more. And so she said, honey, why don't you begin to pray this prayer I prayed? And she said, ask God to give you a passion for the lost. I said, I'm a pastor. Of course I have passion for the, for, for the lost. What are you talking about? Still talking about purpose now. So what you talking about? So why'd you ask God to give you actual passion? So I said, okay. Prayed that prayer. And Friday was our date night. Every Friday, my wife and I go out on a date. That has been our, our creed, our code that we live by since we've said I do. I encourage every married couple to do it. If you can't do it every week, at least do it once a month. Go on a date night. If you're married, how many of you go on date nights? Amen. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Go on a date night. Sometimes you need to get away from everything. So she came home. I said, let's check out this new restaurant. We tried out this new restaurant. Long story short, had leftover food. Driving home, so let's go home. Now, my date night, let me tell you something. There's a day, there's a day the Bible says we have to have a Sabbath day. There's a day where you turn off everything. I don't want to hear no phone calls. No email, no text, no nothing. If the church is burnt down, you can call Pastor Egg, you can call Minister Stephen, you can call Minister Dwayne. Don't call me that day. That's the day for me and my wife. Amen? Every, you all have to have that day, not just me. Each of you should have a day where you turn off work, you turn off every other distraction, so you can have me time, you can have family time. That's very important. And most times in a week, because you're working so many hours, you don't have a chance to have that. So Friday night is our time to have that. And so it was coming home on Friday, and so I'm like, Lord, driving home, driving up the street. All of a sudden, I see this guy sitting on, these, on, on a stoop. He's just sitting down, and he has his hands like this on, on his lap. And I can't explain what happened. I can't explain what happened. All of a sudden, my heart just leaped in my chest, and I'm just like, Okay, and I'm, dri- I'm still driving. I'm past them already. And I'm just like, okay, I'm driving home. And I'm like, I'm heard that guy looks so hopeless. And so I said, let's just say a word of prayer for him. So I'm still driving. I'm saying a word of prayer for him. I'm like, Lord, you know, bless that guy. I know what he's going through and stuff like that. I just felt my spirit alone said, you could do more than that. You could do more than that. And so all of a sudden a thought came, why don't you give me your food? You have leftover food from tonight. So the restaurant we went to, they give you a whole brand new dish to take home. You eat there, then they give you an extra free dish to take home. So the so Lord said, give them your food. I'm like, okay, but I, let, I passed them already. And so I had a choice to make. Either I was going to go home and make a right to go up the block, or, was, or I was going to go left and, and go back to the guy. Thank God I went left, and I went back to the guy. And I was able just to stop and, and give him food and share with him about the love of Christ. That was my personal ministry. And God said something to me. He said, there are always opportunities around you. But are you hearing me to know what the opportunities? See, when Jesus was walking his mission, he was sensitive to the opportunities around him. We were thinking today, there are great things to be done in this city and stuff. And sometimes I thought, well, there's nothing to be done. This church is just about every block around here. Why are we even here? Let's just go somewhere else. And I've been tempted, I tell you. 
I'm like, we'll just pack it up. Let me go to Newark. Let me go back to New York. Eh, this is not, eh, this is not it. The college, yeah, yeah, that's nice. We've been here four years. Maybe it's time to move. And you can feel like everything is done. You can feel like you're in a place in your life where everything has just become stagnant. You have become complacent. You have come to a place where you're not even passionate anymore. You lost your edge. You lost the very thing that drove you to do what you did in the first place. And why does that happen? Because of distraction. I got distracted. I was so caught up in doing my thing that the thing that I was supposed to be doing, I wasn't even doing. Some of you come to school to get your degree, but you get so caught up in everything else, the parties and the sororities and the fraternities and everything else, that you forget the real purpose why you came here in the first place. I have to understand my divine purpose. I have to understand my assignment. There's a great book by Greg Rochelle called Kazon, and it talks about finding your purpose, finding why and what you're called to do. Why are you here and what you're called to do? You have to go through a discovery session. You have to find out, what am I called to do? Each and every one of you, if you believe that you got spiritual gifts, do you know what your spiritual gifts are? If you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, then you're not going to be operating in the fullness of who you are as a believer. Some of you have prophecy, and, and some of you speak in tongues, some of you interpret tongues. Amen? Some of you pray for long periods of time, you have intercession. Come on. Some of you have healing. You don't even know you have healing. These are spiritual gifts. These are abilities that God gives us to touch the world for him. But if we allow ourselves to constantly be distracted, we will never operate in the footers of who God created us to be. Miles Moreau said, the richest place on earth is the graveyard. Why? Because it's a place where there are so many dead dreams and talents and abilities that we're never tapped into. Because people live distracted lives. You have to understand your vision you have to understand your mission. Your vision is where are you going? Do you know where you're going this morning? Well, I'm going home. No, 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 no. I'm talking about where are you going with your life? What has God put in your heart to do? The vision of the gathering church that we will be a place of grace where people far from God experience life in Christ. That's where we're going. That is our vision. That's every time we do something new, we add a new this, a new that, is to equip us so we can head towards that place, that place of grace. The mission is, how are you going to get there? Our mission is loving people, discovering truth, and building communities. That is the strategic plan that God has given us to touch this community. Well, God has called me to be a doctor. Okay, that's your vision. How are you going to get there? Well, I've got to go to medical school. And I got... That's your how. But that can only come from God. You can't just make that up. Your parents can't give that to you. They mean well. They can't give that to you. I can't even give it to you. You have to know for yourself what God has spoken to you. And some of you, you're just wasting time, precious time. 
as a good friend of mine, he said, precious calories, you're wasting away because you don't understand who you fully are. Because we're distracted. Distracted to distract. Traction is to pull away. Traction, something that's pulling you away. Distraction, to pull you away in a negative sense. To overcome distractions, I must fully understand my divine purpose. The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things come on for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Who purpose? Who purpose? Amen. You have to know his purpose today. His purpose. His purpose. You have to, first of all, you have to keep his purpose fresh in your heart. Because you say, well, Pastor, I know my purpose. I know all that. I've been there, but is it fresh? You have to renew it every 21 days. Is it fresh? Well, how do I keep my vision fresh? You get around other people who have a similar vision like you do. Have you got around your friends that just make you excited about life? You hear their dreams. You're like, man, I'm going to do something too. Yeah, this is what I'm doing. Those are people who get you excited. Those are people who make you passionate. Those are the type of people you need to feed off. I told my staff, I said, I try to get one good hit a week from somebody who makes, encourages my vision. And I try to speak into other people's vision because there's a such thing called reciprocity. What goes around, comes around. I got to get a good hit. I got to get a good hit every seven days. I need it. Because if I don't get it, I'm going to be dull. I'm not going to be sharp. I'm going to be a dull-edged sword. I'm not going to have any precision. And I'll be shooting and cutting in the air, not making any type of impact. Are you shocked this morning or are you a dull-edged sword this morning? Have you lost your precision? Just because God used you five years ago, five minutes ago, is he still using you now? Are you still, are you still in tune with him now? Just because you got hands laid on you, fell out and spoke in tongues, are you still filled now? Is he still using you now? Or are you still straddling the fence? I have to understand my mission, my vision. This is a part of understanding your divine assignment. Nehemiah was a man of God who understood his assignment, even when his adversaries came up against him. In Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 4, and I'll just read verse um, 3 to you real quick. They came to him. Nehemiah was this great man of God who had a burden. Amen. After there was war and chaos going on, the war, because of this war, they broke down the walls in Jerusalem. He went to the king, petitioned the king to go to Jerusalem to rebuild these walls. So he went to go rebuild these walls. And in the midst of, in the midst of him rebuilding these walls, he had haters. Everybody say haters. Amen. Some of you got haters right now. Amen. Your hater might be in the room today. Praise the Lord. Amen. But we have haters. He had haters. Amen. And the haters came to him and said, um, why don't you come on down off that wall and meet us at this place at this time so we can talk about what you're doing because we don't believe what you're doing is right. And there's going to always be someone who, believe what you, who believes what you're doing ain't right. You're going to always have critics who believe the path that you have chosen is not right. But you have to trust God that the path that he's put you on, he would direct you to the end. Many times as Christians, God calls us on the road less traveled. A narrow road. Thank you, Minister Stephen. A narrow road. 
Broad and wide is the road that leads to destruction. But small and narrow is the road that leads to eternal life. I found out something as I walked down this road called salvation. It gets narrower and narrower. What do you mean it gets smaller and smaller? In other words, the things that I used to do 10 years ago when I first became a Christian a couple years ago, I can't even do that anymore. Why? Because it gets narrower and narrower. I want to put off that old stuff. I don't do the certain thing. I don't do certain things I used to do. Bible says all things are what? But all things are not. Let me read that again. All things are permissible, but all things are not beneficial. You can do certain things that I can't do. Certain movies I can't watch as a pastor. You say, well, Pastor, I went, I saw this, and we saw love, sex, and drugs, and other things, and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, I can't see that. i got to hear from God this week, and I can't see that. I'm sorry. I can't be before you talking about God and salvation. i got visions of crazy movies in my head. Or listen to certain music in my head. And if you're being honest, you shouldn't be listening to that stuff either. Well, that stuff don't affect me because, you know, I like my R&B. Hey. I was there too, but the closer you get to Jesus, you begin to let some of that stuff go. Because you realize that stuff begins to have an effect. It begins to distract. It begins to pull you away from your journey. You have a purpose. Nehemiah said, I'm carrying on a great project. He was on that wall, building that wall back up. They said, come on down off that wall. No, you don't need to do that. Come to the plane of, oh no. Oh no, I'm not going. I'm carrying on a great work. I want you to tell your neighbor real quick. Say, neighbor, I am carrying on a great work and cannot come down. That's what you need, that's what you need to let your haters know. I'm working. I'm doing something. I'm busy right now. I'm sorry, I got to go to voicemail. I'm sorry, I even got to go to junk mail. I'm sorry, I can't even answer that. I can't even go there right now because I am carrying on a great work. I cannot go down. He said, why should I stop while I leave it and go down to you? The Bible says four times they came to him. And each time he gave them the same answer. I cannot go down. I cannot go down. I'm carrying on a great work. I cannot go down. I cannot go down. Sometimes some of your friends, you got to say, I'm sorry, but I can't do that. I know we were cool like that, but things are shifting in our relationship. I can't do that. You know when your relationships with God, your relationship with everybody else shift as well? Either to the good, to the bad. It shifts. Can I go on? To overcome distractions. Okay, what's the first one? To overcome distractions. I must fully understand my divine purpose. Number two, I must beware of my spiritual enemy, Satan. I must beware of my spiritual enemy. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. He, it appears as he is something holy. It appears as he is something righteous. He is an angel of light. He appears a masquerade. What is a masquerade? Someone who wears a mask. He appears as an angel of light. 
The Bible says, amen, that there's a, there's a path that seems right to a man. It's masqueraded as if, as if this is the right way to go, but the end thereof is destruction. We have a spiritual enemy. And I don't think, you know, I'm not trying to glorify the devil or anything like that, but I think sometimes in church we are ignorant concerning the devil's devices. We forget. We don't like to talk about the devil because we get scared. But God has not given us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. I have to tell this morning that the devil is real. And the Bible says he knows his purpose and his job very well. What is his purpose, his job? To kill, to steal, and to destroy. The Bible says he seeks around, roaming like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. His job is to try to devour you. He knows his purpose. And when we are purposeless, we become prey and bait for Satan. Because we don't know which way we're going. We become confused. We become discouraged. We become depressed. And he's just there behind you. Just, ah, 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 ah. Of everything that Satan tries to do with a Christian is to alienate that Christian. Know what he does? He tries to make you think that you're the only one going through it. He makes you think that you're the only one with that struggle. And if the pastor found out, he's going to make fun of you. He's going to talk about your business over the pulpit. So you don't definitely want no one to find out. And so what do you do? You hide it. You conceal it. Yeah, like everything is all right. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hey, Pastor. How you doing? I'm all right. I'm good. Praise the Lord. And meanwhile, the Satan has you caught up. The enemy has you caught up because we don't understand his power. Satan has power. It's not more powerful than God's power, but he does have power if you let him have it. The Bible says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We have spiritual armor. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The Apostle Paul is saying in Ephesians chapter 6 that this is a, a, a battle going on that you cannot see. It's invisible. But God has given you all that you need to overcome. This battle is not against flesh and blood. See, we think, oh, I'm a cursor. I'm just going to tell her how I feel. She irritates. She get on my nerve. No, it ain't her. It's the enemy. It's the enemy. I need something wrong with my mouth. I keep having these thoughts. No, even you. It's the enemy. We have to be aware of his schemes. How does he get us? Through suggestion. The power of suggestion. What does he feed on? He piques your interest. He knows the things that you like. And so what he does is, here we go, he masquerades as an angel of light. And he tries to lure you in. Tries to distract. Come. Come here, my sweetie. 
<laughs> have an apple for you to bite, Eve. Come. Surely you're not going to die. Come. Satan can't tempt you for something that you don't even like. <laughs> Come on, brothers. If that girl ain't attractive, he ain't going to bring her your way. He's going to bring the candy that you like. Hips, lips, and fingertips. Come on. Sisters. Well, I like him. I, I like him pigeon toes. I like the cheeky eyes. He going to bring that brother right to you. Talking about how you doing. That's what he going to do. Come on, Satan comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. He's good at what he does. The Bible says he is a deceiver. He makes it look okay. Like, ain't no wrong with it. Girl, why don't you come with us to the club? We're going to the club. Well, ain't nothing wrong. Come on, we just go to some, some music, you know, stuff like that. You don't have to drink. You could just get you a, a, a Sprite or something. And you go, next thing you know, you wake up like, what happened to me? Damn, who's this in the bed with me? Come on. Satan is real. Let's not be ignorant concerning his devices, his schemes. He knows his job very well. And if you don't understand yours, <laughs> you're going to be in trouble. So you need to pray this week. You need to fast this week. You need to say, Lord, what's my purpose? But if you don't understand, look, look, if you can't stand for anything, you're going to fall for everything. And that's the job of the enemy. And we have to be aware that his job is to destroy the church. Why do you think there's gossip in the church? Why do you think there's backstabbing in the church? He wants to destroy the church. Not just the gathering. I'm talking about the church universal. Why do you think pastors are falling and sleeping around and getting caught in homosexuality and sleeping around on their wives and, and have women on the side and stuff because he wants to destroy the church. You are the church this morning. He wants to destroy you. And we don't realize that our sin affects one another. You see, I'm not God. I don't see everything, but God does. And we can't talk about we're going to conquer the city and we're going to dominate if we got sin in the camp. We have to be real with ourselves, real with the situations that we're dealing with. If we got up with each other, we got to get it right. The most of the stuff we got all about is foolishness if you really stop and think about it. Just the enemy. Just the enemy. Trying to rip you apart, trying to tear you into stress. We're distracted. You're not going to fulfill your purpose. I preached years ago, I said, You can't get to your purpose without me. We need each other. We need each other. I don't care how I can do about myself. No, you can't. You need us, and I need you. We need each other because we are stronger together than apart. People say, I'm going to do church by myself. You can't do no church by yourself. That's not even biblical. I said, do not forsake the assembly of the brethren. Sisters too. We need each other. 
They ain't saved out there in the world. They don't know half the stuff you know in Christ. You start talking about Christ and demon possession, they'll be like, something wrong with you. I don't know. That's not politically correct. Come on. There's a struggle going on. There's a battle going on. Right now I'm talking, the devil is fighting. Right now, it's trying to get your attention. Go to sleep. Shh. The pastor's boring. Shh. Go to sleep. Wake up! Hear the word of the Lord to you this morning. There's a struggle going on. Frederick Douglass said this great speech back in 1857. He said, if there is no struggle, there is no progress. There has to be a fight. He said, those who profess to favor freedom yet deprecate agitation want crops without plowing the ground. They want rain without thunder and lightning. They want the ocean without the awful roar of its many waters. There is a fight today. There's a fight going on for your attention. And God is saying, may I have your attention, please? Can you pay attention to what I'm trying to tell you this morning? See, the church is asleep in a state of spiritual slumber. And we are not aware of all the things that are going on around us. The Bible says that in the last days, there will be signs of the times. He said there will be wars and rumor of wars. There will be earthquakes in diverse places. There will be things and natural disasters. And he said, when you see these things, he said, look up, for your redemption draws nigh. I don't know about you, but time is winding up. And we will, I'm just going to live in my little bubble. God's going to pop your bubble. People are dying and go to hell, going to hell every day. You got Christians out there now, got books out, say that there is no hell. Hell is real. Well, Pastor, I know hell's real because I experienced hell on earth. Well, you don't want to go to hell below earth then. Because what you experience ain't really no hell. People say, well, I just go to hell because I experience hell on earth. Well, you don't know what real hell is. That's paradise concerning to the top of hell where people are going to for eternity. There ain't no purgatory. Ain't no neutral zone. Well, you know, if I die, you know, I just pray when I get down. Ain't no prayer when you get down there. What you do now determines what happens in your eternal future. And every day you live and every breath that you... Breathe. You're one step closer to death. And if you're distracted and you don't understand your purpose, you would die a rich man. I don't want to die rich. I want to die empty. I gave it all. I used everything that God gave to me. I gave it all. You want to die an empty vessel. You gave it all. I don't want to die rich. Being selfish. The Bible says like the one steward who buried his gift because he was afraid. I'm not going to allow fear to stop me anymore. Sometimes as preachers say, well, you don't want to preach certain messages because you don't want to chase people away. But the truth is the truth. 
And the Bible says the truth comes to set us free. The truth hurts sometimes. To overcome, I must understand my divine purpose. I must beware of my spiritual enemy, Satan. Let's watch this movie. We're going to the last thought and we're done. Hallelujah. Final thought. To overcome distractions, I must be still. Someone would say, be still. The Bible says in Psalms 46, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Many times the reason we're distracted because we're so caught up in the emotions of life, in the rhythm of life. You know what your schedule is throughout the week. Getting up at a certain time, doing certain activities throughout the day. Hustling, bustling, going here, going there, making things happen, trying to make that almighty dollar, trying to pay the rent. Try to do all those different things. Try to get that degree. Try to pass that class. Try to do all those different things to get through your day. And many times we get tripped up because we're not still. He said, be still and know that I am God. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42, describes a story of Mary and Martha. The Bible says, and Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village and where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he had to say. Mary was sitting at the Lord's feet. But the Bible says, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me? To do the work all by myself? Have you ever felt you had to do all the work by yourself? <laughs> she said, tell her to help me. Martha, 
Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only me. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Many times we find ourselves in the place of Martha, where we find ourselves distracted. Instead of sitting at the Lord's feet, we find ourselves just going and going and giving and giving and doing and doing and doing and doing and never refilling ourselves. But you know, every time you pray, you fill yourself back up. It's just like a car that runs out of gas. You go to the gas station and you get a refill. Some of you, you get a quarter tank. Some of you fill your car with, because some of you like to play with that quarter tank, you know. It go, you get it go way down to E. Some of you don't like to fill it all the way up because he's like, that's just too much money. But you spend the same money every time you put $10 and $10 and $10. That's $40 right there. Just fill the whole tank up. That's my, that's my, that's my logic. But just like with God, we come to him empty daily. We need to be filled up over and over and over again. And if we don't get filled up, we run on empty, and sooner or later we break down. Martha was frustrated. She began to break down. But Mary was just content, sitting at the feet of Jesus, hanging on his every word. Tell me more, Master. Tell me more, Rabbi. You need to be sitting at the feet of Jesus. You have to be still. Sometimes we move too much and we miss it. Lord, give me direction. Show me what I need to do. And we're just going la 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 la. And he's whispering. He's whispering. He's whispering. In that small, still voice. And you're missing it. And you wonder, why can't God keep messing up. How I keep getting in this situation? And then you got the nerve to get mad at God. And he's thinking, I've been speaking to you, but you're moving so much, you won't even hear me. You're busy seeking out man, but you're not seeking me. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So I challenge you today in closing. Everybody stand. Go ahead and get your stretch on. Amen. I should get the lights on. I want to see y'all face to face this morning. I ain't scared of y'all. What distraction? You go to the mall on. So we're about to dismiss. But I'm not dismissing until we do one thing. What distractions are we facing today? What distractions are you facing today? I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's in your relationship with somebody, if it's your personal relationship with the Lord, if you're caught up on things, if you're caught up trying to make extra money, or you're caught up trying to take care of your body. I don't know what it is. But you've been distracted lately. You've been distracted just like I. I've been distracted lately. We've been distracted lately. Maybe you have, your prayer life has fallen off. It's not as fervent. There's times when we pray, you know that you're touching heaven. You know that God has heard your prayer beyond a shadow of doubt. 
or maybe lately you feel like your prayers are just trickling up to the ceiling and falling down to the ground. Whatever it is this morning, I want to pray for you this morning. I want to encourage you this morning. Maybe those who are listening to the podcast, I, I want to encourage you this morning that God is here today. He's saying that he will be your focus. He will be the very one to keep you on that straight and narrow path. As you be still and know that he is God, he's the one that's going to lead you line upon line, precept upon precept. Nehemiah says, I'm carrying on a great work. I can't come down. Some of you might have to let your boyfriend know that today. You might have to let your parent know that today. You might have to let a co-worker know that today. Whoever. I am carrying on a great work, and I cannot come down. I am living my life the way God has called me to live it, and I'm not going to change it for anybody. That's what that means. That means that I'm making a strong decision that this is my life, the life that God has given me, and I'm going to please him with every breath that I breathe this morning. So if that's you this morning, I just want you to lift your hands up to God this morning. He said, Pastor, I've been dealing with distraction, and I want to get these distractions out. I, I got so much worries. I got debt. I got bills. I don't even know how I'm going to pay my bills at the end of the month. Pastor, I, I need some prayer. I need some help this morning. Let's be real with God this morning. Let's be real with what the situation is this morning. Let's trust him to fix it. Hallelujah, God. Pastor Alverna, come. You're going to pray. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Just begin to open up your mouth and worship him. Just begin to whisper to him what your needs are this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I need more of you, Holy Ghost. More of your spirit. More of your spirit. Hallelujah. More of your love. More of your joy. More of you in my life, God. God, forgive me for being distracted. Forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. Wash me in the blood. Pastor. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Lord God. Father, we do thank you, Lord God, first of all, for creating us, Lord. Father, you know us, Lord God, individually, even from the womb, Lord God, when we're knit together, Lord God. You called us by name. You called us, Lord God, with purpose and with destiny in mind, Lord God, in regards to serving you and bringing your name honor and glory, Lord God, through different expressions, Lord God, through different gifts, through different talents, Lord God, that you have blessed us with. And so, Father, we ask, first of all, that you would forgive us, Lord God. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, where we have fallen short, God. And you said we have all fallen short of your glory at some point in time. So we turn back, Lord God. That's what a repentive heart is about, God. So we turn back to you, Lord, and we ask, Lord, that you would have, Lord God, grace upon us, Lord God. That you would forgive us, O God. Father, so that we, Lord God, can have a fresh new start, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. That, Father, when we find ourselves, Lord God, being bombarded, Lord Jesus, with thoughts, oh God, whether it be from the enemy or from our work day, Lord God, Father, that we would, Lord God, just begin to get low and come back to you, Lord Jesus. Be still and know that you are God. Begin to acknowledge who you are. Begin to acknowledge what you've done. Father, help us not to be like our forefathers, O God, who forgot so quickly what you did for them, Lord Jesus, by delivering them, Lord Jesus, from the hands of the Egyptians. But they forgot even as they went into the promised land, Lord. 
as they began to go towards their promise, the inheritance that you gave them, they forgot. They began to murmur. They began to complain, God. They stopped believing in you. They stopped trusting in you. And so, God, today we ask that you, Lord God, would help us to trust you. We'll begin to understand the purpose for which you have created us. So that we can be aware, Lord God, of the enemy's schemes and the plans and the strategies, Lord God, that he uses to deter us. Yes, God. Give us the boldness and the strength to say, no, I will not answer you right now. I will not come down. I will not entertain your foolishness. Mm. But I will be steadfast, immovable, and abounding in the work that God has prepared for me. Let that be the attitude of our hearts, O God, today. Being bold, O God, about what we believe, Lord God, about what you have spoken to us in our quiet times, O God. Declaring it, Lord Jesus, like we did today in song, Lord God, that you're God of the city. You're God of us, your people. You're the Lord over this nation, God. Yes. Yes, we have a president, but above the president is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Who really manages the funds. Who really manages how things are going to happen. Who shakes this earth, oh God, and moves it as he desires. Glory to your name, Father. No president, Lord God, can dictate to the winds or to the waves, oh God, what to do and where to go. Only you, Father. Thank you, God. So we pray today that we'll grab hold to the opportunities that you're presenting to us, oh God. And Father, help us not to be distracted, Lord God. By our own dreams and our own visions, oh God. (laughs) And our own desires. Because sometimes we get caught up in us that we forget, Lord God, that it's you who created us. And we forget about the assignments that you have given to us, Lord. So we ask today, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to see those around us through the eyes of compassion. So that their lives can be touched, changed, and renewed for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.